The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, joined by the Action Network's Mike Ionello, And we're here to get into the group of five deep dive here in week number eight. Some quick housekeeping for how we did last week. 4-0-1 on our round robin. The, uh, the one being a push, we had a speculated bits on that Yale versus UConn line. And the offshores did not sync up with what eventually was offered on Saturday morning, which in a crazy turn of events actually had Yale as the favorite there. So that ended up as a stay away for us. Uh, The Huskies do get on the board with their first win of the season. Um, As for the rest of our bets, our underdog parlay split, as well as our best bets. I unfortunately was providing the L's in both of those cases. I'm going to have to have a stern talking to the Western Kentucky defense that I was pretty sure was good to give up, you know, 30 points to just about anybody, but they, they buckled down, but for the rest of it, I mean, a six, two and one week, that's just another strong week from us and uh, happy to get into week eight as quickly as possible to ride some of that momentum. I am playing a bit hurts. Uh, I have a Bob Costas like ocular issue going on. Now, some could say that it has something to do with being close to my seven month old uh, and his diapers, or it could be the proximity to that Kent state play for me because the golden flashes defenses riches were probably filled with poop for the majority of their game to give up that many points in a spot like that. But here I am, you know, I'm going to go back to the Mac a little bit in, in my picks for, for today's episode, not going to shy away from, from the action. Um, Ionello, why don't you get us started with your G five hero of the week, get that positive vibes going. Well, my G5 hero, you know, besides you obviously playing through the pain, I'm going to go with Cincinnati running back Jerome Ford. First of all, Cincinnati's ranked number two in the nation. They might have a shot at the playoffs. It's a little early. You know, you assume the Big Ten champ will jump them. Oklahoma probably jumps them. But if they can hold on to that fourth spot, that would be pretty cool. Um, But they're doing it mostly on Jerome Ford. You know, Desmond Ritter hasn't really had to do as much as people maybe thought coming into the year. Last week against UCF, they blow the doors off him, 56-21. I had the Cincinnati team total over, so that hit with ease. And Jerome Ford, 20 carries, 189 yards, four touchdowns. He is a monster. He's averaging 118 yards per game, seven yards per carry. His 12 rushing touchdowns are the second most in the country. 
Give me Jerome Ford. He is having a great year, and I want to give him some love here. As I want to do, I like to go to the bottom of the board for the games. I like to go for the obscure. We've done some assistant coaches. We've done some officials at some point. So it's time to get a specialist in here. And Matt Ariza from San Diego State, their punter, kicker, extraordinaire, just the, the big booming lefty. He did everything to keep them in that game on Friday night, which was a, a part of our round robin. The San Diego State money line was one of the most hard fought bets that I've had this entire season. And I will say it is the, for my money, the worst offensive game uh, with both teams putting in just horrific performances that I've ever seen in my entire life. That's how bad that game was. But Ariza was not a part of that. He had an 86 yard punt in that game. He's now five of six games this season has averaged over 50 yards per punt. He was also two for three in the field goal kicking duties. And the only one that he missed was uh, it was actually on his holder. He had the, you know, the laces in and, you know, we know that that's not the way to do that. Ace Ventura taught us the laces out, Dan. So I got to say, this kid is the man. He's the only reason why I think they have an opportunity to keep it going this week. I'll get into this a little bit later, nationally ranked 22nd in the country. He's by far their, their best weapon. Um, so it was cool to see that. And on top of it, he's six foot two, about 200 pounds. When he doesn't kick the ball through the back of the end zone, he is want to just run down there and light somebody up. Um, so he has a bit of an edge to him. There's just absolutely everything to love about him and nothing to love about the San Diego State offense right now. Did you catch any of that on Friday night? I did not, unfortunately, but I well, like you, you were I, a lucky one. <laughs> All right, we'll jump in now to our best bets of the week, and I'll get it started with Florida State laying 35 and a half against UMass. And generally <laughs> speaking, you know, we've kind of teed it up in this way um, in previous episodes. When you go through that first month as a G5 team, usually you're getting beat up and the public can be too low on, on some of those teams. I think that in a similar way, the public had totally sold on Florida State. You know, they nearly beat Notre Dame in the opener and then just can't get it to go together the rest of the month. They lose to Jacksonville State. They start 0-4, but they've won their last two and they've scored 68 points across those two games against decent teams in Syracuse and North Carolina. Certainly teams that, you know, they were not predicted to, to beat outright. So the fact that they're drawing a UMass team that gives up six yards per carry on the ground, which is one of the worst figures uh, nationally, and the fact that UMass has not been able to stop any of the big plays. And Florida State, that's been kind of an issue for them, where it is difficult with a new staff, with a new quarterback, you know, they've rotated at times this year to put together those 8, 10, 12 play drives. You want to be able to get that cheat code and go ahead and hit that 75-yard play. UMass is absolutely in a position to offer that to you. Um, in terms of giving up plays of 20 yards or more, they're 122nd in the nation. When you go up to 30 yards or more, they're 118th. So I think Florida State's going to hit some big hitters in this one. And then the other element of it, whenever you talk about trying to cover a number north of five touchdowns, you're probably factoring in backups. And Milton off the bench, I don't think they're going to just give him a, a vanilla playbook. He, he's worked too hard, and he'll be in the running for National Comeback Player of the Year. He's just a great story. So I think they'll let him run the offense as, as he wants to and get some more points on the board. So I'm going to go ahead to add Florida State some my card because as the late great Bobby Bowden would say welcome aboard slugger what are your thoughts on the the Florida State game you know as you said as teams improve throughout the year it's easy to look at it and point you know injuries are so hard to to come by a lot of times in college it's hard to keep track of and it's easy to say you know oh they're starting quarterback or you know big time receiver running back but with Florida State honestly it's been their offensive line and and luckily you know I listen to someone like Bud Elliott who's very tuned into the Florida State program and he's pointed this out a lot where the beginning of the year, they were missing like three of their offensive line starters, and that made a huge difference for them. 
they got it back two weeks ago. And like you said, you mentioned, you've seen that totally change their dynamic. I don't know that, you know, the public necessarily is aware of that. And I also think this is one of those games where Florida State is a down team and they have struggled in the last couple of years. And when they have these opportunities to flex their muscles, they're going to take advantage, especially when you look at, you know, the recruiting side of it where, you know, Miami's having a bad year. Florida just lost another bad game to LSU. Yep. You know, the, basically every team in Florida, I know Brett McGriffey talked about this on sources, every team in Florida stinks. So if you have a chance for this Florida State team to flex its muscles, I think they're going to. So I like that play a lot, actually. All right. How about your play best bet of week eight? We're taking it back to the Mac. I'm taking Central Michigan minus four against Northern Illinois. First, I want to just apologize. Hold on. Is this another anti-Rocky Lombardi rant? Because I'll just go get a a glass of water because I I know where this is going. Yep. First, hand up. I'm going to be the bigger man. I was wrong. Northern Illinois is way better than I thought they were going to be. They're five and two. Already hit their win total over, which I bet the under on. That lost. I was wrong. They are a lot better. But the areas that they are a lot better is defensively. And running the ball. Rocky Lombardi still sinks. He's thrown six touchdowns, six interceptions. He's averaging just 139 yards per game. Now he is running the ball a lot more, which I didn't really expect out of him. And between Lombardi and Whaley, they have been really good on the ground. That's what they want to do. They want to run the ball. Obviously, their head coach is former Northern Illinois running back, former Baltimore Ravens running backs coach. That's what they want to do. This is the tough matchup. Central Michigan is 22nd in the country at defending the run. They are sixth in the country in stuff rate and the central Michigan offense, you know, similar to what we talked about with, you know, different quarterback moves have made a quarterback change halfway through the year. They started it with Jacob sermon, the Washington transfer. He did not really kind of pan out. They went back to Daniel Richardson, who was their starter for most of last year. And the offense has looked better under Richardson. They have two incredible wide receivers, Kalen uh, Pimbleton and Jacory Sullivan. Sullivan is questionable. Maybe keep an eye on that, but at the end of the day, since Sermon came in, they've been much better. Or Richard Sammy came in. He's thrown 11 touchdowns, just two picks. He's averaging 8.1 yards per attempt between, like I said, Pimbleton, Sullivan, Dallas Dixon. They have all three of three good receivers averaging 13 yards per game. And they have the running attack with Lou Nichols, who leads the Mac in rushing. So I think the Central Michigan offense is going to be too much for Northern Illinois. And for a team that wants to run the ball, the strength of Central Michigan is defending the run. So I, like I said, Hand up, Northern Illinois is a lot better than I thought they were going to be, but I still think this is a bad matchup for them. So I'll take Central Michigan minus four at home. I think this is the first time we played the chips here on the podcast. There's there's a lot to like about them as you just listed. And I do think there's a bit of a market inefficiency when you get into you know Conference USA play, MAC play, some of these, these conferences that aren't getting the eyeballs that the, the major power programs are. There's some stale numbers being being hung up there. And, and I'm, I'm with you. I think that's going to be one I'm going to immediately add to my card. All right, let's turn now to the G5 underdog parlay of the week. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. I'll get it started here. This is really showing a lot of courage on my part, because as I mentioned, I watched San Diego State 
play offense for in excess of 60 minutes because that game had to go to overtime. They used two quarterbacks. To borrow a phrase from our producer, it looks as though when they're supposed to be practicing offense, it looked like 11 strangers had met right before them. They're like, hey, what are we going to run offensively? Like, are we going to call everything on huts or two? Like, it was horrific. But here's the thing. Against this Air Force team coming off a nice win against Boise State, I believe it was 24-17, everyone knows it's a strength versus strength situation. Air Force has the number one rushing game in the country. They run the ball more than anyone. They're second in rush percentage. That's their bread and butter. San Diego State, they love to stop the run. They get creative with the players that they bring down to the box, stunts, everything else. They're going to be prepared for this game. And Kirk Maddox, their defensive coordinator, has done a wonderful job on the season. It's the reason why they're limiting teams to just 2.3 yards per carry. And what that translates to me, when I've already spoken eloquently about the deficiencies of the San Diego State offense, it's really going to come down to a low-scoring game. And the fact that there's such a huge differential in special teams is the reason why I like San Diego State plus 160 on the money line here. Ariza, who I talked about, is honestly, you know, someone who could be in the conversation for both the guy and Groza awards. So he gives them a top five special teams just on his own touchbacks, field position, being able to cash in from anywhere inside of 57 yards on field goals. This is a guy who is going to play a role in this game, but air force is just as bad as San Diego state is good. You know, when you look at their, their numbers in terms of field goal conversion rate, they're in the bottom 15 nationally, same thing in terms of net punting yardage. I think it's going to come down to field position. And because of that, you know, when you probably factor in, you're going to get seven to 10 punts on both sides and both defenses play the way that they should. That's going to be a lot of yardage that's going to go in favor of the Aztecs. So, you know, kind of those, those hidden yards and, you know, the, the third category of football that head coaches love talking about the importance of, but casual gamblers do not really get into the weeds on. I think that's going to be the deciding factor here. So I'll go with the Aztecs. I don't know. I like I like Air Force a lot. Obviously, they were my money line underdog last week. I think Air Force is really good. So this this probably isn't something I'll play. Um, but hey, it's I'm rooting for you for our parlay's sake. But I don't know. I like Air Force a lot in this spot. <laughs> I don't trust San Diego State's offense at all. I mean, there's nothing to like. They also couldn't block at all to get Greg Bell out of you know the starting blocks. So you know maybe they're able to do something a little bit different. Personnel bring some more tight ends in. You know, work some H backs in to to open up some some lanes for him because if he doesn't crack a hundred yards, it's difficult to envision them scoring. 17 points. And I think that's the least what they're going to need to win this football game. All right. Usually it's me going more ambitiously, um, but leading with a plus 160. Do you have something a little bit juicier than that? Nope. I'm playing safe. <laughs> I, I hated this. This was my, this was the hardest week for me to find an underdog, to be honest. Every line in here seemed to be like a team that was like, you know, plus two, or it was like you're going to a team that's plus nine. I'm playing it safe. I'm going with another Mac game. A game I feel the coin flip. I'll take the plus money. How beautiful is Maction? How beautiful is Maction? Oh, man. Just when we thought we had peak Maction. I'll take Toledo plus 110 against Western Michigan. I love Western Michigan, so I hate betting against them. But again, I think this is kind of a coin flip. Toledo returned the most tarp in the entire country. Their offense was great. Their defense was great last year. They kind of got off to it, you know, a, a weird start where, you know, they, they hung against Notre Dame and looked really good. And then the following week, they had a dud and, and lost to Colorado State in kind of a weird game where no one scored on offense. Then they beat Ball State. Then they smoked UMass. In the last two weeks, they've lost two heartbreakers. They lost to Northern Illinois by two. And then they lost to Central Michigan by three last week in a game where their kicker missed three field goals. 
but I just think the Toledo team is better than we've seen. And, and I think at some point you're going to see him kind of rely on that experience and put it together. You know, Carter Bradley and Daquan Finn were, were battling throughout most of the year. It looks like Finn has taken full control of that job. Last week was the first week we didn't see Bradley at all. And Finn gives them kind of a dynamic element with his legs. He has six touchdowns on the ground this year and paired with running back Bryant Kobach, who's been great. He's got five scores. They both average over five yards per carry to give them a dynamic rushing attack. And that's where Western Michigan has struggled. They rank 72nd in rushing success on defense, 120th at preventing big plays, and they're 74th in tackling. For Toledo, on the other hand, they're second in the country in tackling. They're sixth at defending the run. They're ninth at preventing finishing drives. Their defense has been awesome. And that's where I think they're going to live on this game. And that's where I think they come out with the upset. You know, Western Michigan did blow out Kent State last week, but they had one of the weirdest box scores I've ever seen. Caleb Ellaby, who we talked about at length on the show, we both love him. He's awesome. He threw for 307 yards and three touchdowns. He threw for over 300 yards and only three players had a catch in that game. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've never seen a player throw for over three yards and only throw to three players. Sky Moore had eight receptions. Jalen Hall had five and Anthony Torres had two. That was all of their fast catchers. For this Toledo team, I think that makes it easy for them. You know, they're 12th in the country in coverage and they essentially have to cover two guys. They essentially have to shut down more and Hall. And I think this defense is good enough to do it. And then they're awesome against the run. So I'm going to take Toledo at plus money. You, you don't just go into the glass bowl and come away with an easy win. So Give me Toledo here at plus 110. I know it's not a not a fancy one, but hey, if it wins, it wins. I think enough time has passed to ease the wound of Colorado State upsetting Toledo in the glass bowl. And honestly, Colorado State has proven to be frisky throughout the season. Uh, that was a team that I also will put my hand up. I, I figured they were going to be one of the 10 worst teams nationally, and they've proven to be much more competent, competent out in the Mountain West. So Their kicker's awesome. Their kicker is made like, 12 straight field goals or something like the, the uh, one of the games that won recently he was like six for six it was like a school record he's been awesome this is like that the hash hashtag uh, official special teams version of the group of five deep dive we're give, giving out a lot of love to the specialists here and now as a quick reminder to our listeners the big bets on campus podcast is presented by WinBet sportsbook and they've got a great sign up offer for you guys this season New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000. So take advantage of this WinBet offer. Just click on the Action Network link in the episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, let's turn now to the thing that's really made us profitable and one of the reasons we are getting some love in the comments section and on Twitter, and that's the group of five high five round robin of the week here in week number eight. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five! And I'm going to get started with the G5 game of the week, which is Coastal Carolina traveling to Boone to play App State. This is an opportunity for Coastal to really assert their dominance. Obviously, they've been nationally ranked the whole season. Their offense has been on fire. But App State is still historically one of those programs that has had great success in the Sun Belt. And I don't really think you can consider yourself the top dog unless you can go go into Boone and push them around. And here's the thing. The Shots have scored 49 points or more in all but one game this season. And they've done it with a great blending of run and pass 
their top three leading rushers all average over 7.2 yards per carry. And then you look at what they've been able to do with future NFL tight end Isaiah Likely. This kid is playing his way. If he has a good combine, I wouldn't be shocked if he was a second round draft pick. So for a program that two or three years ago was, you know, a cute story transitioning from the FCS level up to, you know, the Sun Belt. They are quickly turning into a little mini NFL draft factory. And when you factor in Grayson McCall and how steady he's been this year, he gives them not only the kind of command of the offense, doesn't turn the ball over, knows how to get them out of bad plays, is a dual threat in his own right. He's just given them this, they're brimming with confidence and it comes from him. Um, and when I look at the other side, the quarterback for, for App State, it's kind of going in the opposite direction. We were worried about Chase Bryce coming into the season. He was absolutely exposed last week against Louisiana. His uh, QBR, I think, checked in at 26, you know, through, through a pair of picks. He also had some issues with turnovers against, uh, against Marshall. For my money, having watched App State a decent amount this year, there's just a huge difference when Cam- Cameron Peoples is on the field when he's not. And he's another game time decision here. And if he comes in and he's dinged up, I think they're going to have real issues moving the football for a team that was supposed to be deep at the running back position. They only go for 2.7 yards per carry against Louisiana in his absence last week. That's not going to cut it against Coastal. I'm going to go ahead and cheat a little bit here, take the money line. Not that there was a, a huge backdoor risk, you know, laying four points in this game, but I'll go minus 200 with the shots and get this round robin started. How fitting that I've been against Chase Bryce all year. I've been nervous of him all year. I finally flipped the switch and I bet them last week against Louisiana and boom, he immediately turns back into a pumpkin. Like I knew he was going to all year. The second I was like, maybe he's figured it out. Nope. He's still Chase Bryce. I like the shots here. I agree with you. For my first pick, you talked about how successful we've, we've been in this group of five, high five. We've been successful because we bet Fresno State every week and they're an absolute wagon. So obviously I'm taking the Bulldogs again. This is going to be an awesome game, by the way. Probably the two best quarterbacks in the group of five. Jake Hayner, Carson So Strong. This game to me comes down to defense. First of all, we talked about Jake Hayner. I think this is the Ronnie Rivers game we've been waiting for. We haven't gotten it. We haven't had the Ronnie Rivers game. I'm calling it now. This is the Ronnie Rivers game. Nevada's defense is 125th in the country in rushing success rate. They are 105th in line yards, and they are 100th in tackling. And now they have to try to stop that little jitterbug, Ronnie Rivers. Day-Day Hunter for Hawaii went for 174 yards and two touchdowns on eight carries last week. He ended up getting hurt late, but that's a pretty efficient day. And, and Ronnie Rivers is very similar to Hunter in the kind of their, their style. Oh, also, by the way, Nevada 79th at defending the pass. So it's not like they're really that good at anything. So for me, this comes down to Fresno State's defense. They're awesome. They're one of the best defensives in the group of five. Their secondary is fifth in the country at pass success. And Nevada's not as balanced as, you know, Fresno State. They don't run the ball very well. They rely on, on Carson so strong in that arm. Bulldogs fifth the country in pass success, 20th at preventing big plays. So I think the Fresno State defense is way better than the Nevada defense. And I think the offenses are probably a push. So I'll take the better defense at home, laying only three points. Give me the Bulldogs. They've been great to us so far. I'm going to keep going to them until they let us down. So give me Fresno State minus three against Nevada. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Um, I also dug into the numbers on this one that they're only laying three, you know, in the Valley because honestly, Nevada's defense is such a liability. It's going to require probably a 400 yard passing game from strong to be able to, to keep them in it and to push them over the top in the fourth quarter. As you mentioned, you know, all the stats 
that indicate that Fresno State can really bring it on defense. You also had to factor in they played Oregon earlier in the season. They played UCLA. So they were challenging themselves in the non-conference. This wasn't them feasting on cupcakes and FBS teams, you know, out West. So I think this is a strong play. To be honest, I, I my power rankings had this closer to six and a half, seven. Um, so I do think there, there's some value in that number. All right, I'm going to jump back to the Mac quickly here. I love Maction. I love Maction. <laughs> This is a team that I bought low on and I just keep riding and I will probably through the end of the year. I believe you have a future on, on ball state ball state's only laying five and a half against Miami of Ohio. And here's the thing. They won three in a row. Plitt is coming off a game where his QBR was 82 in terms of their, their one, two punch at wide receiver, Justin Hall, Johannes Tyler, they're doing, they're doing their thing. They also ignited the running game a little bit last week. All of this is trending for me, a simple, straightforward, easy play ball state. I actually would play this all the way up to 10 to get the alternate line value. I think they're going to outclass Miami of Ohio from an offensive perspective. And this to me is now, at least on the offensive side of things, the team that won the Mac last year, that they're showing, you know, their, their best play calling, the best players are getting the ball in their hands and Plitt has, you know, pulled out of an uncontrolled dive, which he had earlier in the season where he ended up getting benched. So the confidence is back. I'm going to follow that confidence. I'll go with Ball State. Is there any reason that that may have been a stay away for you? Or do you think this is a trap situation? Or is Ball State really as hot as they appear? No, I definitely like Ball State too. I agree with you. I think Plitt seems like he has turned the corner back to kind of what we saw last year. So I definitely like that play. For my next play, I'm going to return to the Mac as well. Cue, cue the song. Max yourself. Who's the Mac? I'm going with Eastern Michigan minus three at Bowling Green. Since Eastern Michigan made that switch to Ben Bryant, they have looked very different. They are three and one in his four games since taking over as the starter. He is averaging 280.2 yards per game. You know, we talked about him being the transfer from Cincinnati. Uh, He was backing up Ritter over there. So he comes from a really solid offense and we know what we're going to get from Eastern Michigan. We know they're kind of, you know, it's their offense is great. Their defense stinks. We, I, my best bet last week was the over in that game, and it hit pretty easily. Eastern Michigan is 21st at finishing drives. They're great in passing downs. They create a ton of explosiveness. So I think Eastern Michigan is one of those teams that can kind of move the ball and put up points on anybody. You know, we talked about Bowling Green playing better defense, but they are who we thought they were. They're still Bowling Green. They're still the bottom of the country. They still stink. I don't trust Matt McDonald to be able to throw the ball and keep up with this Eastern Michigan. The weakness of Eastern Michigan is their defense. And I don't think Bowling Green and Matt McDonald could take advantage of that. He's got six touchdowns, six interceptions this year. The Bowling Green offense is 114th in the country in success rate. Give me Eastern Michigan. They've looked a lot better over the last couple of weeks. They started the year really bad, but I think they're starting to put it together a little bit more. They're still not a good team necessarily, but for a Mac team playing against Bowling Green, who Bowling Green hasn't beat a Mac team since Akron in like forever. So give me Eastern Michigan minus three at Bowling Green. For all the Mac love that we've been throwing around and, you know, our audience certainly loves it. I am going to have to to step out a bit and maybe throw some cold water on a team that we don't. Don't you dare. Don't you. Don't you dare. Up. So eventually. Don't do it. Eventually the Roadrunner. You know, <laughs> is going to run at us, you know, juice a little bit. You can only say meep, meep so many times and run away from everybody. Meep, meep. UTSA has, has earned it. They've deserved it. I hope college game day goes to UTSA UTEP. I think it's in a couple of weeks. The eyes of Texas should be on what the Roadrunners have accomplished. 
but they're laying seven against La Tech. And here's the thing. I'm not sure that a team in the country has a better losing resume than Louisiana Tech. So they lose in a one-possession game to Mississippi State and Starkville, a game that I believe they gave three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to lose by one. They lost in a single-possession game to nationally ranked SMU and NC State. As I've said many times, UTEP is a good football team. They're, they're going bowling this year. So the fact that they got beat up last week against a very strong Pavito-led defense, got to name drop that defensive coordinator, is not something to scare me off of La Tech as a home dog catching seven. Because here's the thing, we've watched UTSA many times this year. They are susceptible to giving up the big play through the air. Enter Austin Kendall. You know, SMU and NC State in uh, nearly back-to-back games, he hit seven touchdowns and 692 yards. NC State, that's a good defense. And SMU, he was able to keep them in the game the whole way against one of the most dynamic offenses, not only in G5, but nationally. So the fact that it got to that key number of seven, it was a difficult board for me. There wasn't a whole lot of games, you know, popping off that I, I think would be easy layups. So I'm going to go a little bit against the grain here, against the podcast, against UTSA, but hopefully La Tech can get the offense going again after only scoring three points last week. Uh, Stucky was on, you know, Twitter as, I mean, obviously that's where he lives. And he brought up a good point about um, the Bills and Chiefs game, which was, you know, the public gets swayed so easily where the Chiefs own Buffalo. So everyone bets on the Chiefs, then the Bills beat them. The Bills are the hottest team in the NFL. You got, you got to play them blindly against Tennessee and they lose. It's this seesawing that you have to be able to stomach from a betting perspective. And La Tech, if they had not laid an egg offensively and only scored three points last week, I think this game would be under seven. I think it would be easier for me um, you know, to probably pass on it. But the fact that there's a little bit of an overreaction, at least in, in terms of the public perception, I think them catching seven in Ruston is more than enticing enough for me to go with the Bulldogs. So I'll, I'll let you close this this out. You can say that this will be the, the one loss for the round robin this week. Yeah, I'm just going to say that I'm hurt. I'm saddened. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Meep, meep till I die. Meep, meep. Yeah, if the round robin goes four and one, I'll be happy. I would rather lose money than bet against our beloved ranked for the first time in program history. Meep, meep. How dare you? And just to recap quickly for our best bets, we are going with Florida State minus 35 and a half. The Florida State Seminoles. Central Michigan minus four. The Central Michigan Chippewas. Our Moneyline Underdog Parlay, we're going with San Diego State plus 160. The San Diego State Aztecs. And Toledo plus 110. The Toledo Rockets. For a payout of plus 445. And for the G5 High Five Round Robin, our picks are Ball State minus five and a half. You've got wow. to be kidding me. Now, this is peak action. It is. Peak action. Coastal Carolina Moneyline, minus 200. Long live the Triple C Dynasty. Fresno State, minus three. The Fresno State Bulldogs. Eastern Michigan, minus three. The Eastern Michigan Eagles. And Louisiana Tech, plus seven. The Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. All right, for Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive. A reminder that you can check out Stucky and Colin Thursday night and Friday morning, break down the entire board. Obviously, next week, Brett McMurphy will be back for sources, getting into a lot of 
hot stove realignment talk. I mean, there's just crazy things happening all over the place in Conference USA. And, you know, will the Sun Belt stand pat? All of these interesting topics and the domino effects that started with Texas and Oklahoma making their moves to the SEC. So that's it for us. Thanks for listening. Hopefully the round robin keeps going. And, uh, you know, UTSA wins by six. I can live with that. (laughs) There we go. So we're all on the same page here. Thanks again for listening.